Hello and welcome. I am Valerie Dalton, founder and artistic director of the Live Literature Company. Welcome to the new year and our new 2021 series of podcasts on celebrating companionship. I'm delighted that the celebrated actress, my friend Wendy Morgan, is launching this to start the new year. Wendy's wonderful acting work will be known to many of you. In the Christmas season of 1978 to 1979, I was the assistant director on the pantomime at the Royal Exchange Theatre Manchester, in which Wendy played a beautiful and unforgettable Cinderella. Her huge gift for performing was evident to me, and this was confirmed the following year in 1980 when she won the award Best Newcomer as an Actress in the Evening Standard British Film Awards. Since then, many of you will have seen her celebrated film performances, such as in the Hollywood film, Yanks. She has also played many terrific roles in TV, including the outstanding The Jewel in the Crown in 1984. Her many memorable stage performances are also numerous. I saw her incredibly moving performance in the title role of Martine at the National Theatre, for which she received both Olivier and Evening Standard Award nominations. In the past decade for the Live Literature Company, Wendy has performed a deeply moving Emily Bronte and also wonderfully timed comedic roles in my devised programme, Joe Orton Unwrapped, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the end of stage censorship in a performance at the V&A. Also in the past decade, Wendy has directed her own film, Mercy, on pro-vegan and pro-animal rights. The link to watch this is in the transcription of this podcast. We have been chatting together during lockdowns. One of the results of our chats is Wendy speaking to you now in this new series of podcasts on celebrating companionship. Wendy also has a musical gift. She composed the music and wrote the lyrics for one of the songs in her film, Mercy. At the end of this podcast, you can hear her sing her musical setting of Shakespeare's sonnet, 18. January, a new year. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Absent friends... A time to begin, a time to reflect. Entering into 2021 to celebrate companionship. Companions past, companions present. Companions human and non-human. Too many to name all here, but to name but a few. The strange year of 2020 locked me away from companions and ironically brought me closer to them and with even more time alone had me reflecting on companionship, how the lack of actual human contact brought me closer to people present and to my memories of companions past. And though I live alone quite happily made me realise how much I need and relish companionship, comrades, pals, friends, loved ones. March 2020 came and thrust us into an unknown that was so strange and a path none of us had ever trodden, 
which was something of a complete turning upside down. And while all my friends appeared online to be brilliantly scaling through their houses, sorting cupboards and drawers and tidying and decorating, I felt I should join suit and begun to categorise a box of photographs which still remains uncompleted. Instead, I became obsessively creative and wanted to record and film and edit all of the things and friends became even more precious than they were before, if that was possible. The bridges to connect with them were my internet connection, my laptop, my phone. My eyes rebelled against the massive onslaught of screen time as we were thrust into another realm of communication. Anxiety reared its head in a big way of the unknown, this invisible enemy, whilst we also faced our small little island becoming a solo, no longer a part of a union, much to my reluctance to accept this, and frustration at seemingly not being able to do a thing about it. The first lockdown was such new territory. The spring was magnificent and I was so grateful for my little garden where I would sit for hours basking in the new sun and looking at and listening to the creatures of the sky and ground. The bird's song seemed even more exquisite than before and I sat in the warmth of the garden for hours bathing in the heat and the sun on my skin and bathing in their song so sweet. I watched them flutter around, the squirrels of the garden running along the fence and sometimes so close to me as I attuned with nature and the silence that descended on the world, enough to hear the music in the sky. It was impossible to be alone with all of the creatures surrounding me. I even got quite into gardening, but being vegan and with so many creatures running around, that became a very slow process that I preferred, in the end, to leave to a professional vegan gardener. Having lived by the sea for 30 years and not really taken any advantage of it, largely because of a silly self-consciousness about my body, I was invited, as the weather gloriously warmed, for a swim by a lovely local young pal. The water was flat and calm like a mirror, and the yachts reflected in the deep of the blue like huge white birds, and I swam through the blue and white like silk, blissful. I said adieu to my self-consciousness, or rather did not let it stop me, and took it in with me to disappear as I swam. I was addicted, and have swum pretty much every day since. I've made so many friends while swimming and had so many wonderful conversations, Swim buddies and the sea itself being my companions. And here we are again in January 2021. Yet another lockdown. But this time we have learned the ropes. What we are able to do and what is important. And still swimming. I have found two things vitally important. Companionship and the sea. Which is a kind of companionship. As I consider companionship, I wonder what defines it. One Google search found this. A person or animal with whom one spends a lot of time or with whom one travels. One friend of mine called it 
a companion of the way. I wrote a song for my son once, and one of its lines is, May you have a friend through to the end. The companion can be a blood relative or a chosen one. And oh, what companions I have and have had. Ah, me. And just today, on my time hop on Facebook, came a picture of Sophie, my collie Rottweiler Cross, fear-aggressive rescue dog who loved me and who I loved more than I can say. It said, Sophie is so sweet and funny, the perfect companion. She was snuggled in the old Lloyd Loom easy chair, now painted white with a hint of glitter, I bought when out with my mum, my first companion, for three pounds in some market that we would love to frequent together. She loved a buy, as she used to call it, and would drive all over in her shooting brake, picking up all our eclectic and interesting furniture and objets d'art. She had a great artistic eye and nature, and the performance art manifested in me, I suppose. And she nurtured it with her great homemaking and warm and loving ways. I was inseparable from her as a young child, and remember writing little letters to her saying, I'm never, ever, ever going to leave you, which of course, physically I did much later. I loved her with all the love that a person can have, cared about her completely. She suffered from seasonal depression, eventually after many years diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, and I would spend many hours with her when she was depressed, trying to cheer her or keep her company or get her out for walks, anything to make her feel better. I don't know if it ever did, not understanding depression then, but her sweet, sad eyes would smile at me from a long way away. It broke my heart, always. I never saw a person so, so sad before or since. The saddest brown eyes. She was the sweetest, kindest soul and loved her three children, me and my two older brothers, utterly. My dad was loyal to her until she died on my 50th birthday, aged 87. My eldest brother died suddenly at 50, with heart complications, having the previous year fallen off the back of a truck in the African bush whilst out surveying the land and hitting his head on a rock so severely that his skull was badly fractured and he was in hospital for a year, leaving him fragile. The pain was too much for mum's delicate fragility to cope with. At the time, I had moved from my London apartment to a flat around the corner from my mum and dad in South End. My marriage had broken down and my son was small and I wanted him to have an extended family so I moved out that way. They had moved there as my dad, always self-employed, running his own businesses and supporting us totally, had gone into motorbike franchise, having started off doing border painting of cards and was commissioned to do the king's funeral cards all bordered in black. He was so proud. South End was the biggest plot they could find, closest and most affordable, and so they resettled there. From suburban Radlett, where he had bought a lovely plot of land and helped build the enchanting bungalow where I was born. I have been back now and then, once knocking at the door and being allowed in by the owners to have a little tour. They now had a pool and the interior was so modern, but the garden shed my brother had built was still there. And the beautiful wooden stairs he had built to his gorgeous loft studio bedroom were still there. 
Ah, the memories that flooded back. Growing up there was idyllic to me. My childhood, a dream of perfect family and home, full of love and warmth, nurtured completely. I first found Southend a hard place to live, but they were round the corner, and that's why I moved. North London was my place, my career in full swing. I buzzed about all over, but Southend seemed grey and cold and still. I knew no one, but had my young boy and my parents close. I think my heart was grey and cold and still. I thought my marriage was forever, and the dream was over when my husband left. Although maybe I had left him emotionally before he physically walked, it was on our sixth wedding anniversary. The day after Valentine's Day and the day after our boy had come out of hospital suffering from croup. I had stayed in hospital with him and we were both tired and pale that morning when my man had given me a card. We were having breakfast in our dressing gowns, boy in his high chair, when husband had come in dressed. Happy anniversary as he gave me the card and just said, I'm going, and he was gone. I couldn't run after him as I wasn't dressed and baby was ill. And we had no mobile phones then, so that was it. Another companion lost. I felt I lost my mum as she stood on her roof garden, which faced the garden of my flat, as she cried and screamed out to the night sky in the depth of grief over my eldest brother. My grief was quiet and disturbed my soul. Mum's nightly screaming seared my nerves. The neighbours never complained. We flew to Africa for the funeral and I visited my brother and sat with him for a while, his lovely curly hair as soft as ever. But he was so cold when I kissed his forehead, the cold that penetrated my core. I stayed until I felt as ice and had to leave the chill of the room and emerge into the blazing African heat, to the warmth again of family and all his friends. We stayed on, my six-year-old son and I, when mum and dad and other brother, three years older than me, flew home. His friend, Curly, showed me around all his haunts. He had emigrated when I was eleven, and he was eleven years older than me. He was my hero. My big brother. And I thought I had time to get to be with him. I used to console myself and think, when Dad dies, at least I will have my brother. But I didn't. We went to his office. He was a consultant civil engineer. And above his desk was a picture of me on a photo shoot when I was 16, leaning against a silver birch tree in a long cream calico dress and the shawl I'd had as a baby, now fashionable as a shawl around my shoulders. I hadn't realised that he had been as proud of me as I was of him. My bro. My sister-in-law gave us all some of his ashes to bring home. I couldn't compute that my brother had turned to ash. They were not fine powder but coarse, white pieces of bone. When I returned home and before I spread them, they were on a shelf in the back room, and that room became palpably cold. I decided to paint the house. I painted everything bone white. 
the walls, the shelves, cupboards. I even painted objects. I couldn't find anything and people would appear out of rooms like ghosts. I scattered his ashes and visit there from time to time. A depression descended on me that was deep and dark. I refer to it as my lost summer. If I were to write a memoir, that chapter would be blank pages. Still, even now, it is a period in my life so painful I can neither talk of it nor write it. I almost lost another companion. Myself. Dad died at 95. He had entered hospital on his feet, a little unwell, and was put straight away on the Liverpool pathway. They stopped feeding him, stopped giving him fluid, and when we, my brother and I, asked for him to have pain relief, they didn't explain the two options. So opting for the one that seemed less invasive and a lighter dose with one injection that would, as a cannula, remain in, he was given a morphine driver. And suddenly all the nurses busied around him, preparing him. I didn't know that that thing was preparing him to die, the dreaded driver. His breathing slowed. At least he had us there, his remaining son, only daughter and grandson. And he left as we spoke softly to him and held his hands. On his final breath, he winced. The first emotion he had shown for days. Poor Dad, feeling pain at the end. My brother said it was probably his heart. We sat with him for a long time, silently, or speaking. Then my boy left as he needed to go back to work. Then a nurse came in brightly, called to Dad, Are you all right, Cedric? Want anything? And when dead Dad didn't answer, she left, still bright, breezy and smiling, seemingly unaware of his new status. Christmas is a quiet affair nowadays. I love that I can see my son, who I simply adore, we always have Christmas dinner together, except for sometimes. Once, when I had sold our house and had some spare cash, I bought him a car and him and his lovely girlfriend at the time two weeks in New York for Christmas. That made my heart glow. They had a ball. <laughs> I make my apartment shine and twinkle and there are treats everywhere and the candles glow and it's beautiful. I don't normally celebrate my birthday, well, not on the actual day, as Mum died on my 50th. The day on which she gave me life, she left life. I'd been at the dentist in London, the companion of my mouth, my big luxury to myself. I'd just arrived and parked. I had driven as my lovely boxer dog Bruno bought as a companion for my boy but stayed with me when my boy had left home, had had a spinal bleed and had become doubly incontinent, so I couldn't leave him alone for long, so took him everywhere with me for the last two years of his life. It was pretty heartbreaking, but he was happy and bounded around, so I carried on until he declined. What a dog! What a friend. He was given an extra two years by a wonderful West End producer and his wife. I will never forget their kindness. 
I phoned from outside the dentist to check with my brother how mum was. She had been unwell and on the sofa with a fever. I'd visited a day before and stroked her arm and her brown eyes had smiled at me until she fell asleep. Some mini strokes had stopped the power of speech. I didn't know that was the last time I would see her alive. Didn't know that that was our goodbye. I'm glad that it was loving, totally present. My brother answered the phone as the ambulance men were stretchering her out of the house. They said that I should come back now. So I phoned the dentist. He said go and that they would waive the cancellation fee and I picked up my auntie, uh, her sister, en route. And the traffic was terrible and when we got to the hospital, I was taken to a room by a nurse who gently told me mum had gone. Not long before we got there. My brother and my dad and my son had arrived too, so we were all there with her. I'd planned to go round to see her that evening for my birthday and so in a way, I did. My family were my first companions and the love was so bright during their lives that the loss of them is as important. The relationship doesn't stop. It changes. They say that, and that is true. This year, I have really been able to reflect on how important companionship is, old and new. I came across a brand new online company born out of lockdown that had sprung up performing Shakespeare plays online. Over the summer, they did the complete works and I was lucky enough to be in four of them. And once the canon was complete and we finished the year with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, one of my favourite books. And I had the opportunity to play Scrooge, turning my rooms into a Victorian film set. There were actors and creatives from all over the world, which was incredible to be able to work and connect with all these people in different time zones. And this offered such companionship that it was tangible. I also did some Shakespeare readings of The Tempest and the Sonnets with the daughter of one of my favourite ever directors with some fabulous established actors. So the breadth of my experience artistically this last year have been surprisingly rich. And though we, like with many other friends, have just connected via a screen, that connection has been so alive. We've had first nights and film premieres, dinners and drinks and even dances with dear ones night and day. In person, I have had terrific walks with friends and fantastic conversations, delicious takeaway coffees, jiu-jitsu with my jiu-jitsu club, that is the most amazing group of people, and my precious blue belt, the colour of the sea, which has connected me with my body and with people in a totally new and unique way. Connections and companionship have been paramount to everyone, I think. I think of my pets, my animal friends. Bruno, who was my son's second dog, a beautiful white boxer who I spoke of earlier. We bought him a year after my son's first little brindle boxer, Becky, died at six months. Bruno taught me about the animal kingdom. With his loss, 
The connection to going vegan was truly made. He lived until he was ten. A fabulous West End producer friend and his wonderful wife paid for Bruno's treatment at eight. How extraordinary friends can be. I will never forget them and their kindness. In the first lockdown, I wished that I could still have had my precious Sophie with me. Gone two years this April. How she would have loved to be with me and I with her when perhaps for the first time ever I wasn't dashing about but becoming still and pottering around. We could have gazed at the sky together. How she would love to lie on the fluffy rug on the back porch and gaze all day at sky and birds. She also loved the sea and I would take her in for a walk and swim daily until the walk became too much for her. She was so afraid of so much. But whilst volunteering at a kennel, I had fallen in love with her and so adopted her. And we lived happily ever after. She left this world peacefully in my arms and it broke my heart. I didn't rush to replace the void that she left but allowed the grief to wash over me. Perhaps one day another little companion will need me. Until then, I contemplate the world. As a vegan, I see all beings as my companions, all equal in status, so I never really feel alone. For if you look hard enough, there will be a creature nearby to share the moment with, busy, living their precious life. Never more has companionship been more important as this year it seems. My jiu-jitsu buddies, my swimming buddies, my Shakespeare buddies, my actor buddies, my animal buddies, family, friends, moments. The companionship of nature, the woods and the walks, the tide rising and falling, like friends coming and going, ever renewing and deepening the bonds. I am blessed and grateful for all. I have shared but a glimpse into my world and my companions and celebrated but some of them, how important and blessed they all are. Thank you, dear listener, for sharing these moments with me. We are all dwellers on our precious planet Earth, and so are all companions of the way. Thank you for keeping me company here for a little while. Go well. Thank you, Wendy, for this very moving launch to the Live Literature Company's new podcast series, Celebrating Companionship. If you like our podcast, please do click on the link to follow us. And now, to play us out, you can hear Wendy singing her beautiful musical setting of Shakespeare's Sonnet 18 to her beloved dog and companion, Sophie. Goodbye from me until this time next month, and please keep safe. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake.
this 